Ten, I know I shouldn't be drinking these, man. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. But little beat your ass so good to me. This is like my third or fourth one right here, brother. I was about to tell you to pump your brakes, but you know what you can get you, man? You get your Bogo deal. From Paisanos? What? That Bogo deal is the real deal. I think you might be right. I probably need that to put something on this, man. That's where you use the online code Bogo Pizza, right? Yeah, man. You get your one pizza and get the second pizza equal or lesser value for free. I'm going to need more than that. I'm going to need me about four, five, six pizzas right now. Put something on it, baby. Hey, you see, I'm over here, man. I might take a slice or two. Well, what about Lil' Beat Your Ass? His ass is whooped. <laughs> Coming up on the Santana Moss Show, we talk about my interview with Amaze Fit. And what does Tana's cool-ass velour sweatsuit and Greg Minuski have in common? Story time with the old 8 to the 9, talking about his Pro Bowl memories. And Tana, we had great NFC and AFC championship games, but the refs were the story. You gotta hear this taking nail story. This one takes the cake. Yeah, it takes the cake, literally. The Santana Moss Show podcast starts right now. Ooh, ooh. It's the Santana Moss Show. Home of Blue Your Ball Dreams. Number 89, hustle all the time. Travis on the right, hot mic on the left. Every single week, it's a lyrical Santana Moss Show podcast, Travis Thomas and the man himself. Santana Moss! Que pasa, papi? How you doing, my friend? Hey, man, I'm feeling the velour oh, Adidas oh, suit right oh, now. Oh, I feel like I'm back in one of those 2001-ish, 2002 Puffy uh, videos. <laughs> you know, that's back when I was watching BET. I'm talking about, I didn't know any, it was any other channel to watch. It was BET. I'm watching, you know, <laughs> hey, videos all day. Rap City. Oh, man, all 106 in Park. Mm, 106 in Park. Shout outs to Free and AJ. AJ they got it done, dude. but free, though. Yeah, free. Free was that girl. I mean, I remember free my first year here, even before I started that season. Yeah. It was off season. I got traded, got paid. Porter's had this big weekend down in Gainesville. And guess who's coaching the team that I'm on, the basketball team? Stop. Free. And Stop. she was just, I didn't know she was in the area, you know, being a radio personality yeah. in the area. And she just loved her Redskins. And she talked, I'm so happy you're here. And I'm sitting here like, man, you know me. What? <laughs> yeah, it was cool, man. It was real cool. Just being a fan of 106 and Park. And I had bumped into AJ. You know, I, I don't got, care about him. Talk yeah, about Free Gotten a chance, you know, getting a chance to meet Free, man. That was pretty dope. Shout outs to Free and shout outs to all the celebrities out there who are a fan of Santana and watch the show. I'm not going to throw out any names because we're trying to get one as a guest. How's yeah. that for a little yeah. secret? But there are celebrities out there who dig the show. And if you're watching and we have not touched base, reach out. Send a DM to me I'll or my boy. boy. Matter of fact, send it to me. There's a lot going on. It goes down in DM. We're not going to put that out there. Send a DM to me, okay? And we'll get you on the show. Send to trash. Send it to me. So what's been going on since the last show, Poppy? You know what, man? This has probably been the least as busy as I've ever been throughout the last two years. You know, I didn't have much going on last week. Yeah. I think the only thing I did Friday, I got a chance to sit down with Amaze Fit. Uh, they interviewed me on Life After Football, talking about my fitness habits now and different things I'm doing with my foundation, 89 Ways to Give. It was a pretty cool interview, you know, just basically share with everybody what I've been sharing throughout these podcasts and different times I'm on the radio shows, different mm -hmm. radio outlets and stuff. It was a great interview, and they got a lot of feedback from it, but I just dug deep and basically explained, you know, who I am, you know, what I've been doing, you know, why I'm at the pace I'm at now outside of my game. I feel like I'm still in my game because 
everything that I did to play ball has driven me now in the afterlife, you know. Yeah. So it was great sharing that stuff with them, sharing some encouraging things to the folks out there who follow me and probably who wonder some of the way that I'm wired. Why is Santana wired the way he is? Because of my belief in everything, you know, being optimistic about a lot of stuff and just truly believing in things differently than others. A lot of people fail to realize is that we try to get ourselves into things. You hear every year, 2000 this, I'm going to start doing this. New year, new me, right? New year, new me. No, keep your same energy. You know, I've always been that guy. I'm going to keep the same energy. I'm never going to try to up it. But at the end of the day, we all want to be better. But stop putting goals up there that you can't obtain. You know what I mean? I feel like even in my playing days, guys come to the season like, got a list. This is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, I played the game and... In order for me to do what I wanted to do, I had to depend on a lot of others. For sure. Quarterback, the perfect play at times, just being in the progression. So many things was basically in other people's hands. So I've always told myself is just be prepared for whatever. Right. If you prepare yourself for the good times and prepare yourself for the bad, at the end of the day, you always prepare. You don't never have to get ready. So that's a lot of the things that I share with them and just about the way I move. You know, the reason I move this way is because of those things that I experienced early in my career. Yeah, but that's a mentality of a playmaker. Yeah. And so both on the field and off the field for you, that is translated. Because on the field, you might not get a look for three quarters, let's say. All of a sudden, fourth quarter, you get a look, boom, house call. You're ready. And the game has changed. It's the same for you off the field that I've noticed in the time I've known you and been tight with you is more so than me because mm. I'm impatient. Yeah. I would be a diva receiver if I could play. <laughs> I want the damn ball. Get Talking out of the trash, way. Right? Huh? Yeah, no doubt. But one thing about you, even off the field, and you weren't a diva on it either, mm-hmm. but you'll wait. You're patient. Yeah. Santana will lurk in them damn weeds. I, I understand the and process. And pop up on you and make a the play. Process. And that's the thing that I've learned early in my career. And I believe it's, a lot of this comes back from my childhood and high school days. You know, Coach Frazier, I remember being on a team where I was a starter in 10th grade. Way before I was a starter, ninth grade, I came out and tried out for the team. He told me, no, I'll see you next year. Mm. And I'm sitting there looking at him. He's like, because you sit in my weight training class, and you haven't worked out a day since you've been there. And he like, in order for you to play on this team, you have to work out in my class. Right. So, you know what? I took that as a note. And then I said, oh, I'll go play literally one more year since I'm eligible. And I did that. And then I come to him my 10th grade year. And I remember all my friends playing JV. Everybody was on JV. I'm like, man, I need to go over there. The quarterback is over there. And I remember going, he separated our teams after camp. Right. And he was like, you're my star receiver on varsity. Woo! Coach, I'm not ready for this. That's how I felt. Yeah. But I also wanted to just to be a kid and go have fun with my boys, you know. And I remember kind of finding myself over there in that JV line. And he (laughs) called me out in front of everybody like, you want to play with the boys or you want to play with the men? Damn. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be called out too many more times, so I'm going to sit my ass down somewhere over here. I remember leading every practice, every drill. He had me leading it. I'm like, what is this coach seeing me? But when you get to who I become and what I turn out to be, I understand. But at the same time, through that process of him believing in me to be the starter – he didn't believe in me enough to get the ball. I mean, I right. went through the whole entire year without having a said, pass thrown. Yeah. But the offense y'all ran, too, was yeah, kind of it was a different offense, but it humbled me beyond right. the years, beyond the days. And I swear, when I become a star yeah. in, in college and then when I became a star in the pros, coaches will always go back. And I remember him saying stuff to people Coach is like, man, you had Santana Moss in your team and you ain't use him like that. He's like, I had a lot of Santana Mosses. 
Woo! You know what I'm saying? Everybody on my team was special. So it wasn't just him that I had to use. He right. did what we designed to do on our offense. And I look at from what I experienced and learned from him, I think back now watching Tom Brady and the way they run things on their offense yeah. and how Belichick controls everything. You'll see my man James White go out there and get off. And then a quarter or two he gets missing and somebody else is getting off. Burkhead or, or, you know, or Michelle or, or whoever. Or Michelle, right. the same way. He had 100-some plus yards. Sure but did. You didn't even see him in overtime. So. Nope. It's the way they balance things. It's the way they allow you to get yours when it's time. But, you know, it also humbles you, and that's why yeah. I'm who I am. Your high school coach said he had a whole team full of Santana Mosses. <laughs> There's a team I wish had a whole team full of Santana Mosses, and it's the Washington Redskins. You know, you look at this mess now, Tana. Greg Minuski's back, but rumor has it that Dan Snyder was trying to get Todd Bowles and he was trying to get Greg Williams, and he was willing to do whatever it takes to get either or – he didn't get either. No. Tana, Minuski's back. Are you worried? Because I am, my friend. Well, you know what? As a fan, yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried to see, you know, what everyone wanted to see from this ball club is just a total, let's blow this thing up and start over from scratch. It's impossible to do that this day and this time in this game. They brought everybody back. Do they correct their wrongs, you know, and make them right? It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough uphill sledding for these guys, coaches, players. It's so much that needs to be changed. You know, when I think about some of the things that went on throughout the week's postseason now, you can say they've been trying to find candidates. They've been talking to guys that fit the criteria when yeah. it comes to, you know, who they're looking for and a defensive coordinator. If I'm Minuski, if I'm sitting in his shoes, do I feel some kind of way? Yeah. But at the same time, do I appreciate having a job? Yes. Because yes. it's hard. It's a privilege to be able to work on this level. In the National Football League, whether you're a player or a coach, it's a privilege. So whether you lived up to that privilege or not, if you get a second chance, a third chance, whatever it may be, you have to understand that, hey, that's on me and I have to be better. You're the number one receiver and you were for years. If you heard there were trade rumors or they drafted some hot shot receiver. Go time. It's go time. So, so, so you don't take it's it personal. No. You just it's the business. dial in. It's the business. And I've been sitting in that seat for so many times. One year, I remember, and it was 2000, if I'm not mistaken, eight. At the 2007 season, we brought in, I believe it was Malcolm Kelly. Devin yeah, Thomas. Devin Thomas and Malcolm Kelly. Devin Thomas had the same agent as I. So I'm Ooh. sitting there, my agent hit me up like, hey, man, you just got a guy that just became a second round. But we got two second round Was he picks. Michigan State? Michigan I State guy. Him. He's like, he's in Miami. Yeah. He just got drafted by the Redskins. Go take him out. Now, pump your brakes. <laughs> 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 Any number one receiver would find that as a threat. No doubt. No way. Guess what? Come on. Now the team don't know what they're going to get out of me this year because now I'm ready for the challenge. I just feel like I've been challenged. You didn't have to tell yeah. me anything. So, therefore, I go out. I meet the guy. I remember I showed him a good time. It's time to work now. After that, we removed ourselves. We went to practice weeks later to our first mini camp or what have it. I remember him seeing me work. And I'm like, Whoa. this is me every day. This is not because of you here or that guy That's here. Right. This is me every day. So, if you can step up and be on the same level, we're going to be a great team. This ain't Tito's and Soda I'm here to work. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, at the end of the day, I find it odd when I hear guys saying that I can't be a mentor to the younger guys or I'm not going to share my insight with them. That's stupid. That shows me who you are as a person because you're that subconscious or you're that insecure about yourself that wow, you don't feel bro. like you can't go out there and be that guy's coach or mentor while he's trying to get on your level. To me, I want you on my level. I've played under guys or with guys that was always where I was at or better, and it always rose my game. So, therefore, I want those kind of guys around me to rise my game. You know what's interesting about what you're saying? We had London Fletcher last week. He said the same thing. 
He said they bring young guys in all the time for me to show them the ropes and mentor them. He said I'd give them the game. I'd tell them what to to do. But what they did had nothing to do with me because everyone has certain things inside of them that translate on the field. And you could teach a guy all you want. If you don't have that dog or you don't have that heart, it won't matter anyways. What makes me go is different from what makes him go. One of the reasons I found it hard to be me year in and year out here because, one, I wasn't given the opportunities that others got right. you know, throughout the league. And the, even with the opportunities I was given, it was always me for so long. Yeah. It was Tanner, Tanner, Tanner. You know, don't get me wrong. We had the Porters you know, in the backfield. We had Cooley at tight end. But on the outside, they relied heavily on me to be the difference maker. Right. If you don't have another dog out there or a guy that can take the pressure off of me at times, when things get crucial and you need a play made, any defense in the in the league knows 89 going to be involved. So if you don't have a guy that can be a threat, now the pressure's on me and then I have more attention, you know, going my way. Does that chip on the shoulder translate to coaching? I'm taking in what you're saying and it feels like we're going to see a better Greg Minuski. Those coaches can only do so much. The one thing I would say that a Greg Minuski could do better, I don't know Greg Minuski that well and I don't know what he did not do. Because I look at that team and I say, regardless of what they went through throughout the season offensively with the injuries and with the whole team, the defense was pretty much consistent for the most part. Even when they was giving up 300-plus rushing yards a game <laughs> at one point late in the season, they were still a bend but not break defense. And they was just sitting there gasping for air, waiting on the offense to make a play. And if the offense would have made a play or two here and there, that gives that defense a little more lift in their boots to say, okay, now let's go out here and make a better play and stop, and now we in the thick of things. If you look at that whole entire season, that defense was what they were week one and to the end of that season. The offense never caught up to speed, and it left the defense out there to dry. And to me, I feel like that's what he showed us both years. Even with the injuries the year before, they kind of disappeared because now you're missing a key piece in the middle that, to me, steered that ship in Allen, Jay Allen. But Last year, I saw the same thing. I saw a defense that was a bend but not break. I think they was weak in some areas, especially in the secondary. I also think that they got a little too sassy for themselves when they brought in Haha Clint Dix. They got a little too sassy and changed Swearinger's job and made things worse instead of saying, hey, let's keep this guy doing the things that he was doing and just include Haha some sort of way. You know what I mean? They thought that, hey, Haha can solve this other safety position when they didn't really need to solve that position. They was really depleted at corner. And they didn't see that. And they thought that, hey, we can pull this guy over here who's our nickel guy and make him the number one corner. No. It didn't work that way. It didn't work that way because the number one corner, he wasn't playing the way that they probably would like to see him play. And it's not his fault because he's been on a team where the defense of front seven has caused so much havoc where he didn't have to do too much covering. All he can do is manhandle you and then the ball come his way and make a play. Now you're sitting there, you're covering more because we're not always getting at that quarterback. Right. You know, it was times when the quarterback was sitting back there just waiting for someone to get open. And if you're not a cover corner, if you're not a Dion in his prime, if you're not a Champ Bailey in his prime, if you're not a Revis Allen in his prime, I don't care who you got at corner, man. They're going to get beat. I saw it time and time again as a player when I watched D. Hall and all those guys have to cover guys for them in eight minutes. It's impossible. Yeah. So I saw a defense that hadn't really fell off that much but hadn't improved. I think now you come in there as a coach, you just have to get to know your players a little better. Get to know your talent. You know, one of the things that Swearing just said leaving out of here is I felt I had to say what I had to say at times because this, they would never listen to me. Mm. If you're not listening, I'm the player. At the end of the day, I'm the guy. You're going through All it. you can do is put me in position. Right. Now I have to make a play. But coach, listen, 
Right. If you put me out there and I see a guy here or there out of place, let me tell you what he can do mm-hmm. that can better me. You got to work together. So if you're not working together, you're going to always see that. And I think that, you know, after going through some of the woes they went through on the defensive side, the only thing you can do is listen to everybody and see where you went wrong at. No playoff games this weekend coming up. I'm pretty upset about that. But there is football to be played. Mm. It's just a brand of football I have a problem with. Santana, the Pro Bowl is this weekend. <laughs> Do you give a damn? Because I don't. I haven't cared about the Pro Bowl since I was 16 years old, and I'm old as hell now, dog. I miss the old days with the Pro Bowl being after the championship game. Super yeah, Bowl. after the and Super Bowl. I, I miss it because it was always in Hawaii, you know, and – you know, even if you wasn't playing, it gives those guys that end up making it to the Super Bowl. It's like a reward. Oh, reward saying, hey, I'm a Pro Bowler also. No doubt. You know, and it also gives you something to look forward to just seeing all those guys that made it regardless of the fact. You know, I, And I, it extends the season. Extends the season a little One more. extra week. I'm okay with this week being a down week because those guys yeah. need to, you know, you're going to hear all the news and all the hoopla about sure. getting ready for the Super Bowl anyway. Yes. I hate the fact that they moved it to the game before the Super Bowl. I hate the fact that they moved it to going to a local city in the United States. I mean, yeah. I know Hawaii is part of it too, but keep it in Hawaii. You know, I'm not cool with seeing it in Miami. It made it more or special Orlando, in you know? Hawaii, right? It made it something worthwhile, you know right. what I mean? And it also gave those guys out there who appreciate our game and, and who mean so much to our game. Not because you see a lot of the talent coming from out there. Yeah. It gave them something to look forward to. Even though I only had one experience, but still, as a player, you knew that, you know, hey, I got a chance to go to Hawaii. I'm, I'm actually playing this season outside of playing for that Super Bowl individually. I'm playing for that trip to Hawaii. For sure. Yeah, I feel you on that. So, you did make a Pro Bowl. Yeah. Any stories from that? Now, you were in Hawaii. Yeah, I was in Hawaii. Were there guys wilding out? Was you <laughs> one of them? Hey, man. I, what hey, was going on out there? I think back now and I say, damn, I banked on going to two or three more times. You should you know, have gone to like, two or three yeah, more. Yeah, you know, and I got stumped a few times, and I'm not going to sit there and do no, it. No, well, time. let's sit there and do it. <laughs> Tanner, that's politics, is it, it not? It, it is political. It is political. It's a popularity contest, and before I even made my first Pro Bowl, I noticed that. I found that out early in my career. 2002, I was a second alternate as a punt returner. I don't think no one else ran more punts back that year than me. Who was in front of you? Let's call him by name. Well, actually, me and my teammate was both one and two alternates. My teammate was Chad Morton. He ran oh, I remember back, him, yeah. He ran back kick returns, yeah. and he was an alternate, which I should have thought, I would have thought he would have been a shooter. should have been the guy. You know what I mean? So someone else went in front of us, I forgot. The next year, I was an alternate again as a receiver now. A first alternate as a receiver. I had 1,100 yards, my first 1,000-yard receiving. I actually didn't play until week four. Didn't start until week mm-hmm. four. Still had 10 tugs, 1,100-some yards. I remember Ty Law and Rodney Harrison coming to me saying, hey, bro, we voted for you. You got wow. snubbed. And it made me feel good because I remember the game when Wayne Cabet told me that was a pro bowler. You're a pro bowler this Ooh. year. I got hit in the mouth by uh, Rodney playing in New England, crossed the middle, Vinny threw me one out there. And it was funny to me because here I am, a young pup at the time, and that was the play that defined me. That was the play that said, well, this guy can't just stretch the field. He will also he take hits. the middle. And Rodney couldn't believe it. And I remember when, when we played him again, <laughs> seeing those guys twice a year. Ty Law, Rodney, T. Buck came over to us later. He's a good my, player. You know, he came over later in 2004, and he told me stories about getting ready to play me. He's like, man, Ty Law would tell me, man, you falling in moss this week, man. That joker run all day. Just to know that those guys had recognized I had arrived and I didn't get a chance to go. I was an alternate, and I was hoping for a guy to say, man, I'm, I want to sit this one out so I can go. 
it was unfortunately that I didn't get a chance to go. But when I finally went in 2005. It was uh, overdue, right? It was overdue. And I had more fun before the game itself mm-hmm. because I was that kind of guy, man. I made sure all my family and friends got a chance to experience That's it. That's what's up. My story, I, I got a good story. So my story about that 2005 Pro Bowl, as soon as I get there, guys have already warned me. So me and Adrian James on the trip together, we going. He's in the AFC still. Now I'm in the NFC. We boys from Miami. We done roomed together before. We also just been close buddies. You know, in every offseason, we always found ourselves at his condo getting ready to go out and spend, you know, spend our nights out of town. I remember getting ready to go. We went to the Super Bowl that year in Detroit, and then we flew over to Cali. Jamie Foxx had a, a Super Bowl party. What? Chill with Jamie. It was an experience of a lifetime. Chill with Jamie. I met Jamie. He shared with me his cowboy, being a cowboy fan, and how I ruined his night. <laughs> cowboy day, killer. How I ruined his night and stuff. And we just had a good time. And then here we are off to Hawaii from Cali. We want to make our trip a little shorter. Right. So he telling me, like, hey, bro, when you get over here, you know, guys, don't give guys your room number because, you know, guys are going to ask you what room you're in. All the rookies, all the first-year guys, they're going to try to build stuff to your room. Mm. And you can't you can't protest it. Once it's on your room, it's on your room. They're going to charge you for it. So I remember first getting over there, and I meet Peyton. And Peyton like, hey, man, what's up, man? And Peyton showed me so much love. And he was like, man, just what do you think if I got you, Marvin, and Reggie, and you my slot guy? And I'm sitting there like, man, Peyton, that would be some unbelievable Crazy. stuff. But I'm okay. You know, right. that's how I felt because yeah. this is my first year with the Redskins, right. and I'm a pro bowler. Yeah, so Peyton, don't be I tampering. Felt, I felt like years removed from that day. Sure. I'm like, well, damn, Peyton, you should tamper a little more because I'm not getting <laughs> no love over here. You know, so Peyton said, hey, so what's your room number, 10? I want to come you know, no. get your holler. And I'm like, man, I ain't giving you my damn room number. So long story short, I had my boys in town. I had Bo, you name it. I had my cousin G. I Shout had so many folks. I had my little brother, Lloyd. My family came up, but my guys was with me every day. I had one of my roommates from college who was also a teammate of mine in high school and little league, Devin Brown. So my boys was like one of those guys, and you met most of them. Yeah. If you my boy, then you they boy. No doubt. They rock with you if you rock with me. So something happened over there when, you know, I wasn't around, but someone's family, one of the players' family member got into a scuffle or got into an altercation. And my boys were there for the rescue. They like, hey, you know what I mean? We we don't know them, but we know them. Yeah. So you ain't finna, it ain't finna go down that way. Right. Everything got solved and handled. Then that player and his bodyguard or what may have it popped up and— the bodyguard kind of pushed my boys to the side as Uh-oh. if, as if they, they, they were a the part one. of it. So my boys were like, man, so they looked at the guy like, you supposed to vouch for us. Yeah, we you saw. I have, yeah. We tell people. And he kind of acted the same. So my boys didn't mean like that. And mm. so when I come back and meet up with him, every morning we started off, I would be at practice. I would get out of practice around noonish. And them guys are already by the pool. Everybody drinking my ties, just having a good time. That's, that was every day at the Pro Bowl. Yeah. And so one particular day, after, I believe after that little thing went down, they like, Tim, don't worry about putting them on your room. We got you. So I'm thinking, like, man, you know, somebody stepped up and said they'll take their front the bill. So I'm like, I appreciate y'all, man. So every day they just laughing at me, and we just, hey, hey, tell me what you want. You want something more? You want some wings? You want uh, some more my time? They just ordering up stuff, and we leaving. One of the guys get it, and they scratch off, boom. So I'm like, damn, these boy came through for you, boy. I ain't got to spend no more money on them. You know what I'm saying? And so as the Pro Bowl thins out and the game is over with, we back to Miami. And so one of them was like, yeah, man, it's a joke that been going on the whole weekend that you don't know of the whole week. So I'm like, what kind of joke? say, Tanner, you know, you told us that don't get nobody to ruin them because yeah. the guy's going to try to we'll charge. It was like, well, that player shouldn't have tried us like that, man, because we built everything in his room. You, the- they found out his room number. <laughs> Good for them. Hey, man, so I'm sitting there like, 
Oh, y'all, oh, they say, look, ain't I bad? <laughs> they should have asked us what our name I can't they wait say, till this show is over they, so I can find out what player this is. <laughs> they had his signature down and everything. So it, wow. was, it was crazy, man. But that's what happens in the Pro Bowl. You know, he wasn't the first or the last that probably got that done to him. But I was thinking about this story when I was coming. I was like, well, damn, that player might find out. I'm like, that damn, that was Tanner guy. Hey, hey, statue of limitations has too, passed now. Too late. He, he didn't say now, your name buddy. either. He didn't say your name, so you can't even say nothing. He might know, but uh, he I probably can't knows. <laughs> he probably <laughs> definitely. He waiting to see your ass. Hey, man. It's all hey, when good. you see him in an event, just be ready. He might want that smoke. Uh, he can have smoke all he wants. <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> hey, Tanner, how come I had to become friends with you late in the 2000s, man? I could have been in Hawaii. Nah, yeah, man. Damn I, it. You know, I was one of those guys. Hey, if I'm experiencing it, you need to experience this man. too. Man, can I do a write in vote for Tanner to make the Pro Bowl? <laughs> We get some type of. Oh, is there fool, something we can man. do? Roger Goodell, I'll at me. You're Let's get Tanner back in the Pro Bowl. Hey, man, what are your thoughts from the conference championship games? Because I got to be honest with you, right? I look at it and I see two games that went to overtime, mm-hmm. and I see Rams, Patriots in dramatic fashion going to the Super Bowl. And I think this should be such a great time for the NFL with those two epic games. But all we hear and all we think about are the refs and the calls that dictated who's going to said Super Bowl. What were your thoughts overall from the weekend that was? Personally, I said to myself, there's no way in heck you can actually be a guy sitting in our shoes that we've been sitting in and and making bets because things don't go as planned. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could have just said that, hey, I can close my eyes and say the Saints and New England would be in the championship game, you know, just outright without having to really sweat that much. And both teams was in one of those fights, you know, where that, hey, the last play or the best play is going to decide who's going to be the guy that no you know, get a chance to go. When you look at the first game, that Saints pass interference call, it should have been called. I feel bad because I think about last year when the miracle in Minnesota happened to the Saints. Now you fast forward a year this year, and they have to sit there and deal with the fact that regardless of what happened throughout the game, the entire game, yes, you can sit out here and say the Saints deserve to be in that seat because they had a 13-0 lead before the game. No, they don't deserve because – Trust me, both of those teams are in that championship game for the reason of there being the best teams in that division to be able to go head-to-head to see who should be a Super Bowl contender. To see that game come down to the end like that and to see it be called that way, you got to look at things that I look at. For so long, I've been saying that the refs should be penalized at times when they don't make the right call or make the proper decisions. I feel like if you're a guy that just so happened to blink your eye and something happened, yeah, I understand. But this guy was sitting there looking, and he was zoomed in. Right and, there. And it was two fouls committed on that play, and you missed both of them. The interference. The interference and head, the helmet, the helmet. I mean, it's nothing you can justify or give me a reason to say why you missed that call. In order for us to be on level playing field when it comes to the things that we do as players and the things that the refs do in the position that they're in, you have to give them some kind of punishment so things can be leveled. They have to be held accountable. They have to be held accountable because I feel that it's a lot of these plays have happened throughout the season. Not alone that game throughout the season that we can go back and say, well, they missed this, they missed this, they missed this, they called this, that was bogus. It's a lot of that been going on throughout the season, and we've only put these things in play for the reason to give the players a better chance to have justice. If I'm a receiver and I'm in that moment going to make one of the biggest plays of my career, 
and you run through me because you're beating, you're beat that bad as a damn uh, defensive back, and you say, hey, at the end of the day, I'm not going to give up this play. I'm going to do the next best thing, and there's no flag call or no foul given, then I'm pissed off because you just put me in a situation as a player that where I'm looked at by my peers as, man, you didn't make that play, or the quarterback who threw that ball, you didn't make that play because they just blatantly fouled the guy to make sure that they just didn't get beat. And that ref was there. He's the judge and the jury. And you didn't yeah. make the right call. So it should be no way that we can allow a game to be called that way yeah. or the end of a game to be decided that way. These refs are judge, jury, and executioner and when execution, you think about you're it. Right. So they're talking about maybe adding another review where you could challenge a play that maybe is a pass interference. Do that make the game better? No, it doesn't. It It makes it longer. I feel like at the end of the day, so much go on throughout these games where you can call a holding penalty on somebody every play. Every oh snap, my God! Yes, it's a hold for sure. It's a holding being <laughs> being done. Maybe pi too, to be PI, honest. Pi, you name it. It's so much been going on. I just feel that in critical situations of the game, last two minutes of any half or at the end of the game, yeah, it should be judged closely. You know, they already put in implementing things now to where that certain time is ran off when this happens, or they go on to view things when touchdowns have been done in the critical moments of a game like that. Time is running out. You got to think about it. The Saints had these guys where they wanted them. You got a minute and something left on the clock. All we have to do is make a first down, make a play to have the ball to where now we can just sit there and down it, kneel it, or whatever we may want to do, and then kick a field goal, win the game, give these guys less than 20-some seconds left on the clock. Now you make a play to beat us. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of what they had before that play occurred, they had them where they wanted them, and that guy basically took it from them and made them have to kick a field goal earlier and give the Rams a lot more time. And think about it. The Saints defense went out then held these guys to three points. They did. Now, you give you tip your head off to that kicker for being solid. You know what I mean? He could have Solid. He could have the word. On the other side I of the I mean, unreal, 50. that guy. Zerline. But, man, he was beyond great. But I still feel that you shouldn't allow a ref to sit in that seat yeah. or have the job or have the privilege of being that guy to sit there and be the deciding factor and cause the team to lose like that. I'm going to tell you like this. That's a call that's getting all the publicity, and rightfully so. But, man, that roughing the passer on Brady where homeboy on the Chiefs didn't even even touch him, Tana. I mean, there were a couple calls this weekend for sure. But for me, especially as a better on these games— I mean, I go into it already kind of knowing. You almost allow yourself some wiggle room. These margins are so small anyway. It's rare you even get a touchdown or more favorite, especially when you get to the playoffs. Like I said, the margins are so tight. I just always bet whoever the underdog is to cover the spread because that's how these games come down to it, and I still feel the same way for the Super Bowl. Now, for the Super Bowl, Tana and I, obviously, in our next episode, We'll do a deep dive and get into who we think is going to win and all that. But it is what it is, refs included. We're going to get Rams-Patriots, and that's all there is to it. I wish we had London back so we could ask him, as a guy who was in that Super Bowl back in the day, Rams-Patriots, who he likes in this. So we'll give predictions the next show. But I want to get into taking L's because we're going to do it a little creative this week, (laughs) sir. Why don't you set the table and then we'll let the people see for themselves? Because we both feel this guy. One thing about taking L's, we try to give y'all something that was a loss. (laughs) (laughs) Either from myself or Trav or just something that we find as a total loss. Yes. I had to go to the internet this week, you know. (laughs) This is a guy that I know, and um, he felt deeply about some of the losses that he's been occurring. And losses we all feel. <laughs> losses we also all feel. 
He went to the internet with it, and like, guess what? I had to give it to you guys. So <laughs> here we go, taking nails, <laughs> the ultimate L. Hey, y'all, I'm about to let y'all experience a conversation I have with my children. It's very important that you understand how to talk to your kids, especially when there's a family problem. Twenty, let me talk to you, okay? Because you're the only one in the house right now. I'm trying hard to raise y'all and keep y'all, but y'all don't want to sit down. You're just in a hurry to go somewhere. Every time I look up, y'all gone. Alabama Power call, you gone. State Farm Insurance call, you gone. And don't even make me mention Walmart to you. Now you listen to me. I love you. And you stop running out on me so fast. I love y'all so much. Go get your brother and sister and tell them, come home, daddy want to talk to them. I feel them. I had the same combo all the time. Hey. But if they find themselves doing what they're doing, man, you need to go be where they at. <laughs> Maybe. You can't ask from where you're sitting there. You got to go find them. Got <laughs> to go fishing for them. Go reel them back in, buddy. But, oh, man, that's too funny. Hey, I tell you what, that's a good way to end the show right there because we <laughs> all feel that, L. The Santana Mall Show podcast. It's a Riz app. It's a Santana Mall Show. Home of the Ball Show. Number 89. Hustle all the time. Travis on the right. 